So this podcast is presented by Owen Walker and Rich McGurr and is a Medics Academy podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide paramedics an easy to access set of resources and education materials wherever they are. So feel free to take a look at the description in the footnotes of the podcast and sign up to Medics Academy today to find out even more about what we do and just how much content we put out there for your education. Many thanks. So welcome back to the Pure Sport Care podcast. Uh, we're here um, together with um, my colleague and partner in crime. Morning. Richard McGurr and with Dan Davis. Hey, morning. Morning. And we're here talking about uh, mental health, uh, both in ourselves and within patients. And we are just having a deep dive into uh, some of the relevant topics. So say you were on scene with a newly qualified mm. paramedic um, and you're really seeing that they're not coping well in the moment and maybe then on reflection after the after the job. Mm-hmm. But let's just tackle in the moment. Mm-hmm. So someone, and I've very much had this mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a pediatric cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. someone's crying, looking after, yep. trying to resuscitate. Yep. What would you do in the moment uh, with someone who may be actively either crying or really not processing well mm-hmm. um, their emotions and just feel, it is becoming overwhelmed? Yeah. Well, I think it's also just, it's, because I think, and we've touched on this sort of previously, is there's this almost kind of sort of guilt that actually they've got to a point where uh, the, the, the experience they're, they're, um, they're going to is outstripping their ability to deal with it. So it's actually, it's just to go, you know what, it's fine. It, it's, this, is, this is fine. This is, you know, recognising. And if, and if it's possible to actually say it, go, you know what, this is about as bad as it gets. So don't worry. This is, you know, your reaction is completely normal. Reassure them because we are the ones that are being sent to these jobs and we are the ones that have seen it before and we are the ones that yes, you know, we we may be inside feeling that kind of turmoil, but probably by by this stage we're we're better. You know, we we everyone's heard it hundreds of times the whole, you know, swan theory, but I think we're probably better at doing it. Um and so actually a, you know, I think we keep talking about recognizing things, you know, accepting that this is a normal response. Um, it may well be that you know this is this is someone that may have a child of their own. You know, using your analogy for a, you know paediatric cardiac arrest, for example, this may be someone that's got a child of their own, and this is just something that's far too raw and far too difficult to deal with. Um, I think what we can do is kind of like strategies to to just get them through is actually to get just to focus on an individual motor task and take it away from the emotional experience and go back to right. I tell you what, I'm going to put you in charge of administering the drugs so can you get out your guidebook can you tell me what the drug dosage is and give them some smaller focusable tasks that takes them away from the the whole um almost kind of unbearable kind of task of the, of, of what's what's happening and and for me that that is usually enough to bring someone back on board i've done it in in you know sort of big trauma jobs where someone is you know someone has arrived first on scene to to you know a horrendous kind of trauma traumatic you know, injury, some, a pedestrian who's been hit by a car, for example, and they're first on scene. And by the time we arrive as the kind of critical care team, whether it's as an advanced paramedic or as a HEMS team, we, we, we turn up to relatively evolved scenes and have the ability to kind of sort of move in and, and, and integrate. But someone has had to arrive first on scene. And, and I've, I've experienced numbers of times of people that I know who are experienced, who've probably been in the ambulance over a similar length of time to me, who have been, you know, 
for want of a better word, maxed out. Yep. And so actually you take them back down and go, I tell you what, you know, you can just do the earwell. Can you get a line in for me? Or, or sometimes actually is give them that excuse to step out the scene for yep. two minutes, mm-hmm. to gather their thoughts and come back in without feeling any, like they've let the team down or yep. guilt. You know, sometimes it's like, you know what, can you just go and get something from the car or can you get something, which gives them, you know, gives them that ability to step out you know, pull themselves together a little bit and come back in again. And actually, if someone can't, you know, sort of, sort of regain themselves, regain their composure, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And we'll address that afterwards. Yes, it becomes that extra thing for you to then take on because suddenly you're one person down and also you're kind of in your head, you're thinking, I've, I've got to make sure that person's okay. But that's kind of what we're, that's the position that kind of we've evolved yeah. into. But... I think it's it's recognition that you know this is a normal um, reaction, and then maybe kind of sort of pairing back the motor skills to actually then reintegrate them and kind of get them. It's almost like pressing the reset button and going, yeah. okay, fine, let's let's get back on yeah. board again. Yeah, it's great, mate. Do you know, I think yeah. that's a really refreshing attitude as well because I think when certainly when I first started, and I I think this culture probably still exists that there would very much be the pull yourself together. you're, oh, you're not helping. Definitely, kind of attitude. But actually, on a different day, a different set of circumstances, that could be any of us. Yeah. yeah, it isn't just that one individual. They're not weaker than the herd. No. They're the same as the rest of us. And that understanding and acknowledgement is, is crucial to helping us ourselves as a profession mm. deal with what we see, I think. Mm. Um, and actually what you say about sort of stripping it back and, and allowing them either to step out or mm-hmm. to just take on one specific task rather than dealing with the enormity yeah. of the whole situation. I think that, that has, and I'm not a professional psychologist, mm. uh, but there is... Yeah, from my understanding, a fair amount of basis in psychology on that. When you look at survival mm. medicine and survivalists, uh, when they talk about how you deal with huge situations, they don't deal with the entire situation because the emotional response to that is too great and you, you essentially break down. You become overwhelmed. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You deal with one task at a time, yeah. building to an end solution. Yeah. And I think it's what you say really sits home with that, actually, yeah. that if you do struggle, just dealing, bring, bring it down to a smaller point mm deal with that point and then move on and that may get gain you you know get you back into and it. And I think we do it, you know, I, think, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about yourselves, but I mean, I know, you know, I can, I, there'll be some jobs where I can, I can picture everything about the job, I can picture the face of the patient, I can, you know, and there'll be other jobs where there's so much going on that I've had to break it down in my own head of aspects that need to be done in order to get this patient's, you know, a stabilised and B hopefully to you know a, a, um, a definitive place of care, and you suddenly realise you hand this patient over and think actually I, I I don't really remember what they look like, you know I can remember the cannulas I can remember the drugs I can remember the interventions I can remember individual individual sort of crew members on scene, but actually, you know I've I've become you know this thing and 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 it's almost the processing happens kind of later on where that's that's when I think you know maybe you get home and you. You're having your, your glass of wine or something on your own in the evening. Suddenly, that flashback of actually what that patient looked like mm. is that's when it comes in. Revisits yeah. you. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So bringing it back a little bit. Um, well, not bringing it back, bringing it forward actually. So, so they've been overwhelmed. You've task focused them. Mm-hmm. They're starting to hopefully perform mm-hmm. uh, a little bit better. Um, and then, so you get to them at the e- end of the end end of sort of patient handover. So you're debriefing mm-hmm. that patient. And this is, yes, to both of you really. How, and, and they're still quite, you can just sit, still see non-verbally mm-hmm. that they're not processing well what they had to deal with. So, so for instance, 
uh, I've had some horrendous pediatric calls mm. where they've been crushed under wheel arches yeah, and cars yeah. of just uh, in all various mm. different modalities of horrendousness. Um, how would you then try to, uh, in recognition that we're not a one-stop shop, that you can't deal with everything in, in, in a debrief, but how can you mitigate or, or play to the majority of their and address the majority of their fears. How could you, how how can you bring out, draw out the best in them whilst reassuring them and sort of and calming them down? So I, th- I think for me, the way I deal with that is is pretty much what Dan's touched on before. Actually, is to allow them to realise it's normal. Yeah. So it's acceptable to have an emotional response yeah. to a horrific scene. Uh, it's acceptable to be uh, vulnerable. Uh, and I know we've talked before about sort of professional vulnerability and things like that. And actually, often when I've had that, and it's it isn't actually that common that you'll have people in 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 within patient contact have that much mm. that extreme emotional response. But it does happen. Mm. Um, I've had it much more sort of in the, in the debrief, and maybe you know a day later when someone comes to find you again, and then that emotion mm. comes out. But often I relate to them. So I think as with the position that I hold within my trust and my service, you seem to be the people that go a lot more often to these things and, and on the face of it, take charge and deal and, and bring order sometimes to where people are needing it. Um, but actually to express my own vulnerability and say, I feel exactly the same yeah. a lot of the time about what you're seeing. The difference with me is I've got a bit more experience doing it. I've done it more often. And so therefore I can just deal with what you're seeing in a slightly different way to how you're dealing with it. Mm. But that's fine. That's normal because... Five years ago, ten years ago, I would have dealt with it exactly how you were. That power of agreement that you can yeah. say, "Look, it's okay to feel shocked or or shocked because I feel this way," and, yeah. and it almost like like Dan was saying, it almost normal gives them allows them permission yeah. to normalise. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I will often say after a particularly bad job, I will actually start the debrief by going, "You know what? That's about as bad as it gets." Yeah. Because sometimes you look at people and they just they look at you and think holy crap, because I can't do this again. Yeah. yeah. And you go, you know what? This could be your almost your once in a career job. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to recognise that, certainly in the fields that we're now operating in, that these once in a lifetime jobs that would have been for us 10 years ago are now becoming certainly a, you know, a monthly or even a weekly or yeah. sometimes if you have a particularly Bad horrendous day. run, yeah. it can happen regularly. But for our crews, you know, the, I think the figures are changing, but the kind of figures that we used to bandy around of your average paramedic in London does three to six cardiac arrests a year and may only do two to three um, major trauma jobs, you know, yeah. with, the, with the injury scores of ISS greater than 15, for example. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're flying with a HEM service or you're an advanced paramedic, we can do four cardiac arrests in a day. Yeah. We can do, you know, in a six months of combat, you may do 190, 200 missions, you know. So our exposure is far greater. But actually, that doesn't necessarily mean, as, as you've touched on, Rich, that the emotional impact of that is any less. Yeah. We just, our, our exposure to it means that we we have the emotional bandwidth that starts to kind of, sort of deal with that. But actually, like you say, I mean, you, you need to kind of almost announce it and just say, you know what? That was awful, mm. and and we're we, we're all in agreement of this, and so let's let's see how we can kind of process this awfulness to make some sort of bring sort of sense to it all. Mm. And I think sometimes as well. So for me, I, there's an acceptance that what they have done, so what crews have done, may have been harder than what I've done. 
So if you're the first responder on your own mm -hmm. or as a crew to an event, you deal with raw emotions of the public, you deal with the whole scene, you, you, you start, you're at the very beginning of bringing an order to total chaos. And that's much, much harder often than it is as the advanced care team mm. walking in, this place, where they've done yeah. all of that already. All of that's been dealt yeah. with, and actually we ha often have a much easier ride Absolutely. in terms of the emotional impact. Because there's some order. Dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. This played out last night. <laughs> so uh, yeah. strangely enough, all three of us <laughs> were linked to a, a, a patient last night because Dan, you were in the control room uh, yeah. dispatching the HEMS team. Rich, you, were, you actually came to yep. my assistance yep. as the advanced <laughs> paramedic. But I was walking in a train station and heard across the tannoy, um, could anyone with any medical skills please uh, come to assist uh, on the Jubilee platform immediately. So ran down there and it was a, a patient which had fallen 20 feet onto their head, um, snoring uh, with a very, very much a malaise of, 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 of and, and quite um, chaotic scene uh, with um, you know, our first aider quite panicked, yeah. and BTP and um, tube staff quite panicked. So, first thing I really did was to um, tell everyone to, to shut up. Yeah. So, so actually, you need one voice at once, and actually, then come back to the airway, do a jaw thrust, get someone else. A doctor presented themselves. They cut the clothes off, and we did a nice primary secondary yeah. survey with one person talking at once. But personally, I when someone was calling nine and nine, all I said to them is. Listen, state calmly what's happened and also state you would like yeah. an advanced paramedic or HEMS to see mm. now because this patient is going to need advanced mm. care. Yeah. Um, but by the time, and I think, Dan, I think you picked up on that on the other end of the phone. Rich, you were a recipient of that. Yeah. And actually, it was really nice to see you because then I could offload my band. My band was just pretty, pretty yeah. full. Mm. Yeah. And then you've got a whole fresh tub yeah, of bandwidth, absolutely. a whole fresh scope and of bandwidth to then just relay that to you and then you can take the job from there. Yeah. But you're right, I felt, I think the peripheral things were quite central. The panic in people was stressing me out. The The fact he was snoring with a depressed, mm. potential depressed skull fracture was stressing me out. And all, and, and all of these were taking my attention, therefore it was actually... It, you, 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 you don't, sometimes coming to scene late, yeah. you don't realise yeah, that yeah. people have already feel the problems have been solved for you and a lot of the emotional stuff and I, I remember years ago I think I think I was probably still in training and I uh, in fact I was still in training and I, uh, I went to a call that was uh, it was a trauma call uh, and we were literally on top of it from the point where we got the job so within two minutes of this call we, we were on scene and it, it was total chaos and I had a debrief afterwards with the, with the guy that was training me and he'd had about 30 years experience by that point this guy uh, and he said to me he said we got to that scene too soon and I was like, what do you mean? And he said, so everyone was still really emotional. It was all still really raw mm. and we had to deal with that. He said, if, if by chance it had taken us longer to get there, it might have been a bit easier because mm. everyone settled down a bit. And, and, mm. and actually, you can, you, the, the, the stress that you have to deal with is less. And I think we often th forget, as particularly as, as the advanced team coming in, but just within our own profession, that actually what the point where you have patient contact uh, is different to the point where some of your colleagues yeah. had patient contact. And what they've had to deal with is different from what you had to deal yeah. with. And so if they do have an emotional response to that, if they do struggle with that, well, that's okay, because what the, in that mm. particular instance, what they had to deal with is way harder than what I had to deal yeah. with. Yeah. And it's natural, it's normal. And also, do you, do, you, do you find that increasingly that the uniform, you know, particularly you know, at the moment, I have a number of different hats, and I can have almost, you know, I can have my green LAS APP uniform, I have my 
London Hems uniform, I have a completely different one for Essex and Hearts, and it becomes your kind of almost your kind of suit of armour, doesn't it? Mm. Which you yeah. once you kind of put it on, you almost fulfil us. You know, you 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 step into a role, yeah. um, and certainly you know, turning up on a helicopter on a job is it, a is not the most subtle thing in the world, <laughs> but also you're you're with another crew member. You know, you're often part of certainly a team of one and sometimes three. Uh, sorry, a team of two or sometimes three. Um, you're coming from a, a completely different kind of sort of training background, and actually, the comfort that comes in mm. arriving a team is very different to arriving as an individual mm. critical yeah. care sort of like yeah. um, provider. And I kind of quite often find is increasingly now. You know, I'm on a um, a repeat comment with London Hems at the moment, London's Air Ambulance at the moment, and um, you know, I'm finding I'm arriving far more relaxed than I ever used to because I'm suddenly I've experienced of being a critical care practitioner on my own and now suddenly I'm doing it as part of a two-person team you know you can share the burden and like you say as soon as you arrive on team you're, you're into that mode um, whereas you know like for you Owen you sort of just you were walking through the station and happened to be thrown into that and it, it almost takes a while to kind of click into that kind of sort of work mode because you you haven't got your uniform and you haven't got that kind of shield to kind of to work behind. Mm. Yeah, I know, Kit. Someone was like, have you got a pen for a surgery? I was like, put the pen down. Yeah. We're not going to do that. We're going to do a draw thrust. We're going to keep yeah. it simple. Yeah. And I think that whole, that whole <laughs> Kit thing, sort of, again, for me, is looking back at how I, I deal with calls, mentally deal with, with, with patients now as opposed to before, I find a sort of a defence mechanism of comfort. One, in, in the uniform and how and when I arrive. And two, in my ceiling of care. Because I feel much less like I can't deal with a patient in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that I think, I've got nothing to offer. You've reached my ceiling mm-hmm. of care. What yeah. do I do now? Uh, whereas previously, actually, I would feel that happen would happen quite a lot yeah. with these more acute, higher acute. But how, I mean, how often do you, do you turn up? And just start diving in with kit. It's very rare. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we we turn up with with bags and equipment and all this stuff in our head. That but it's things a nice, a nice security blanket, isn't it? It is. But actually, if you if you were to look at it, and like you say, the vast majority is is being done or is being mm. done when we arrive. But actually, it's not that often that you are literally cracking the bag open and diving in with your kit. Mm. And actually, a lot of it is. You know, is is integration with 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 crews, integration with with members of public, with the patient themselves, before you even start cracking stuff yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's 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 even with the, the sickest or you know the most critically injured patients. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and it's for us, it's the not diving in that means you can then, you know, retain that global overview, which also means you then retain your 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 bandwidth to kind of sort of deal with things. And I think that's that's and that's the thing that comes with experience, whereas. You know, for individuals kind of who are sort of earlier on in their career, they'll dive in, and you almost become submerged, and you then you know you're you're, you're fighting for kind of trying to keep your head above yeah. water. Yeah, Whereas yeah. we've learnt over the years this ability to not dive in, and therefore you're not you're not only keeping your head above water, you're, you're kind of you know you're, you're paddling quite happily. And I think we have that luxury by the virtue of that that we very rarely arrive there first. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. you quite just agree with both of you actually. Um, I've been privy only a couple of times in my career over over 17 years to actually experience so a few jumpers that have jumped in front of me mm. and that is far more traumatic yeah. Yeah. even yeah, yeah. with kit even with experience yeah. and to hear and to see it um, and, and and so in so much way you can empathize with the people that yeah. uh, because yeah. it's it's already replaying in your mind mm. and uh, yeah it just it just it, that automatically adds to the adds to the mm. stress levels 
Um, but so just carrying on from that, Rich, I'll hand it back to you. Mm. Um, just for the next question. Which I've lost. That's fine, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine, I can ask it, it's fine. So I'm going to hand the baton back to you. Okay, hand it back to me. Yeah. Um, so Dan, just really wanted to ask you about self-talk and how powerful self-talk is. And are you an advocate of... Um, so, so first question is, do you advocate self-talk? And the, se- the second question would be, um, do you advocate mindfulness and meditation and, and do, do they work for you? So I would say I've been guilty of the classic kind of stoical, mm. you know, if I'm completely honest with you, kind of the whole, you know, if you'd said to me five, six years ago, you know, mindfulness and, you know, I would have just kind of just passed it off as a little bit kind of, you know, yeah. a little bit kind of like, you know, this, it's a bit nonsense. I think actually I'm, I probably do it without realising I'm doing it. Mm. Um, and actually probably I've only been introduced to the more formal kind of um, platform of it really only in the last probably year or so to be, if I'm completely honest with you um, and actually when you look at various forms of mindfulness and and um, techniques that can be used and 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 um, various different aspects whether it's you know apps that you can use or stuff I've heard on podcasts or been introduced from psychologist stuff I realise that I probably do it without thinking about it, but it's certainly something that I've only really started to do um, in the last three, four, five years. Probably as I've been exposed to the kind of the, the, the kind of higher acuity mm. stuff that I'm doing now, um, and it is that kind of moment of 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 just being able to kind of take take that kind of brief moment, recognise. And kind of sort of move on. I used to kind of spend a lot of time actually filling my kind of with filling silences with noise, you know, mm. listening mm. to music, automatically putting the radio on, automatically yeah. putting the TV on. But actually, increasingly now, I find quite a lot of peace in just just a bit of silence. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you you know I don't necessarily you know I'm not I'm probably not at that sort of stage yet where I do formal kind of breathing techniques and probably something I, I kind of would like to kind of address a bit more and probably should address a bit more but actually you know that moment where you know for, I think all, th- all three of us certainly will experience this on the advanced paramedic car where we're on our own is you do the job you know the job thing can can be you know have whatever outcome it may be but you know you, you've probably gone through a, a fair amount of kind of emotional trauma you've then spoken to the crews you've you've accepted some of their burden you've made you've walked away and essentially made them feel supported and probably a lot of, a bit better about things and you have that moment where you come back and you sit in the car and you shut the door and you just sit there yep yeah and i think that's that moment where that's the time that you need you kind of probably you know three four five minutes just to just to you know put your paperwork to one side yeah. turn the radio off shut the windows and if that if that's the time to kind of actually drive around the corner and give yourself a bit of time to just to think um, you know, and I think we've all probably had situations where actually that's the time where, for no apparent reason, you know, the tears may come. And actually, it's, you're not, you know, you're not necessarily upset about that individual job or anything, but actually, just the whole burden of it has suddenly to just suddenly to come out. And actually, just going, you know what? That's fine. I'm not. I'm not losing the plot here. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not mm. going crazy. Yeah. I'm not. 
you know, on the edge. But actually, if I don't somehow let this out, then I, I can't, you know, I don't, I haven't got the resilience to do this again. Yeah. You know, and what yeah. we have to do is in a 12 hour shift is we do have to have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if we don't find ways of giving it an out or recognizing it or doing something that means you can then, um, you know, come up with some sort of strategy or check technique to be able to repeatedly do it. I think that's when the, the, the problems creep in. So I think recognition that if you can't, if you can't do it, if you can't take that moment, you know, however you decide you want to do it, that's the time when I think you need to probably put your hand up and ask for some help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I identify with that massively. For me, so sort of, you get back in the car and you, there's no noise, no mm. music, and you just kind of put the windows up. And for me, that feels like the first time I've breathed out. Yeah. For the entire call, yeah. you just sit there, and you don't seem to breathe in. There's no inhalation. You just all of a sudden, it's everything <sighs> breathes. Yeah, 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 yeah breathes yeah. out, and yeah. almost immediately when I do that, I feel better. Yeah. Actually, um, and then it is just a short right. What? Yeah. What just happened? I'm, I'm feeling yeah. something here. I am. Yeah. There is an emotion. This. This. Uh, this call isn't just. Uh, sort of empirical problems mm. that I've solved. There's there's an emotional impact. Mm -hmm. So what am I feeling, mm. and why? And then I just pr try and process it. And it doesn't often doesn't take long actually. You yeah. don't need a huge amount of sort of deep soul diving a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you say actually, it's, it isn't always. It's not just the one thing, is it? It's often no. you know you've it's a it's a few things over a couple of days or weeks or months that actually then you just need that release. And I find particularly with me, so night shifts and tiredness oh, God, at that yeah. time when actually yeah. I'm much more likely to feel that way. Well, your, your resilience is, is yeah. at a lower end. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you, you naturally aren't eating as well, you're not sleeping as well, yeah. and you times that over four shifts. Yeah. By yeah. night three and night four, you know, your just ability to just generally function in life normally is, yeah, is at a lower poor, end. Yeah. Yeah. Throw in what we're then doing. Yeah. and you're, 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 you're reaching your, your capacity yeah, on it. Let me take a second to tell you how you can add this podcast to your CPD. To give you a proof of learning, we created a quick online course that also generates a certificate for your portfolio upon completion. You can find this course either through the show notes or by typing the following into your web browser, link.medics.academy forward slash prehospital care season one. That's all one word. That's link medics.academy forward slash prehospital care season one as brand new podcasters we're so humbled by the response from our first season and we can't wait to show you what we've got planned for season two but for now let's get back to the show yeah i, I wholly agree with that and and sometimes only retrospectively quite rightly when you're stepping back into your car i think Oh, this is a different way I could have done that. Mm. Yeah, uh, and my and you're right. Your resilience, your your decision making skills, and the way I communicate on night four at four a.m. in the cold, rain, dark, yeah. when you've been pushed to the max, mm. it's you. Uh, you sell. You reflect and think. Oh, gosh. Well, compare compare yourself to job one on night one. Yeah, yeah. To the last job on night four. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I don't care what you say, but if you've had a particular run of shifts, your empathy's going, your compassion's going, your, you know, suddenly your patience with, you know, what what suddenly now, what, what what on shift one was, you know what, I can help you with that, that's fine, that's not a problem, we can deal with this, we'll chat about it in a debrief. By night four is, 
you're inept. I've had enough of this. Yeah. You know, and, and actually, yeah. we shouldn't laugh, but it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's true. Yeah. And, and if you've not thought, if you've not said it, you've thought it. Yeah. yeah. And it, you have to be really careful that when you when you when you go back and you sit sit down, and it's, it's not just for us, it's road staff as well. They they will do the same with the yeah. patient and with the relatives, and they'll feel like they're a bit yeah, short yeah. with with grieving relatives. And and actually, again, it's still okay. That's you know, yeah. It's a natural human response yeah. to being tired. Yeah. Is that you can't deal with yeah. as much emotion as as you could when you're not tired. And, th- and this is before we've even thrown. You know, we, one thing we haven't even touched on. We're talking about work. Throw in yeah. stuff going on at home yeah. that may oh, suddenly be. You know, yeah. you know, we're assuming at the moment that we're functioning like this because everything's perfect at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, who a has a perfect yeah. kind of yeah, lifestyle exactly. at home? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because but by by. The very nature of what we do, we probably all have slightly dysfunctional lives at home. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, Dan, I think you bring up a brilliant, brilliant point. There was a, a national uh, survey actually done, and actually the top three stressors which uh, which cause um, central stress at work were nothing to do with work at all. So it was nothing to do with seeing patients. It was it break down in relationships. It was to do with um, financial worries at home, yeah. and it was something to do with. Um, family issues and or health issues at home it was all personal stuff Mm. coming into and one of the biggest things in my own life really so whenever i have made a mistake at work or outside work it bleeds into my work Mm. life and especially if it's if it's if it's a breach in protocol or a breach in uh, patient group directives or whatever that bleeds we none of us can compartmentalize it bleeds across the whole picture And um, and that singly has caused and you're right it's it's it, it has a knock on effect so I don't, I'm not sleeping properly then I'm not eating yeah. properly yeah. then I'm actually not communicating properly I'm not fun- functioning properly at work and it and it, and it affects the whole thing yeah yeah and, and, I, and if you look at the nature of emergency service work so we're away from families overnights weekends major family events have to be really planned otherwise you can't do them uh, you know our shift patterns are all over the place so we're tired so all those things that you say actually is, is exactly what shift work any emergency service work does to a relationship anyway. Yeah. Mm. So actually, it's, yeah, perhaps it's not surprising that then we are more vulnerable and more stressed as a yeah. group because actually our private lives um, are more vulnerable to those yeah. stresses, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I know, I know for, for me, uh, my you know, strategy for coping, and this was something that was kind of like, kind of given to me by a, by a, a, sort of a counsellor, for want of a better word, but actually something that I've kind of evolved over the years is, you know, we do compartmentalize and I think you have to, Mm. but for me, I have kind of certain areas of my life, work is work and when I'm at work, you you get me 100% and I'm fully engaged and and fully immersed. But when I'm not at work, when I walk out and I take the uniform off, I have my my children who don't live with me. So, you know, I have certainly now, you know, as they're getting older, my time with my children is is really precious. And work does not bleed into my yeah. my yeah. time with my children, and it's taken time to evolve that. You know, not checking work emails, yeah. not yeah. getting involved. You know, but actually, and then and then outside of that is I also have have a, a life myself as well, and I know that if any one of those three three main aspects of my life are starting to fall down, and it's not as a result of that. So say I'm basically I'm short and I'm snippy with my kids, and I'm you know and I'm not engaging with them like I normally would do. But actually, it's not their fault. Something else has caused that, and I need to then look at what's caused that. So yeah. actually, has something happened at work? Am I, be, you know, am I just come off the back of a horrendous run of shifts, or have I had a row with one of my friends? Are things not going well in that aspect? And actually, 
if everything's kind of in equilibrium, then I think everything's fine and I'm generally okay. You know, the big one for me is I, I can sleep anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, if so I, if I, yeah, I but if the, the minute I stop sleeping well, yeah, there's yeah. something wrong yeah, yeah, and yeah. I have to very quickly address, yeah, yeah, why yeah. am I not sleeping well? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, so as long as you've got, but it, you know, that's, it's taken me a long time to develop that self-awareness yeah. and I still haven't got it right because there'll be some times where my friends who know me very well just go, mm, is everything all right? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I haven't got quite got to that stage where I've, I've recognised my behaviour is changing. Yeah. yeah, and I think do you know what you say that, about that's kind of that balance between your work and life. And we it, it's talked about ad nauseum work life balance, and we completely ignore it. We talk about we it, talk and about ignore it. it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think yeah, as, as a profession, we're very very guilty of of, of not of taking work home chat about work when you're at home. Our friends mm. tend to be within within the yeah. service or within emergency services because of the nature of shift work and actually the nature of relationships doing this yeah. type of work. You bond more than perhaps you do in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when we're out at work, and I know we do it as a group when, we, when we're out socially, at least for the first five or ten minutes, it's work chat, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, we're really guilty of it. Um, but is that, is, that not part of, time. is that not part of our processing? Is actually think, when you get together is. with like-minded yeah. people, you naturally and we don't we don't do it all night. I mean, if we went no, out to we the don't. pub, but like you say, for the first half an hour, we'll chat shop. Yeah, you know, and you know, just catch up on bits and pieces we've done. But actually, someone will suddenly go, you know what? Actually, that's, that's enough. That's enough now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that that I think is part of our strategy. Yeah. and you know, as I said, I'm finding that at the moment being back on some of the helicopter teams is that group team environment is what you do on. Uh, on on the day, mm. so there's less of it. So actually, when you go to the pub in the evening, you can almost switch off immediately yeah, and go yeah, straight into yeah. chatting nonsense. Whereas with us lot, because we're on our own a lot of the time, you need that decompression time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's, it is about that balance. Is it's about realizing well, that's enough now. That's enough yeah. work. Talk. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's yeah. move away from it. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I think I so for me before moving into the advanced paramedic role, uh, I was at work continuously. Yeah. So I was doing overtime a lot. Uh, I was doing courses. I was pushing my career and moving forward. Yeah, well, and I was probably the most stressed I've ever been, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, and actually, my wife, who's also uh, in the ambulance service, is really good at not allowing me to make work too much of a part of my life. And actually, if I am, so I say, oh, yeah, there's a conference here, or you know, everyone's going to Rotterdam in mm. three weeks for this, that, and the other. And she's like, nope. Yeah. Because you know, for the last two weeks, I've done this, this, this will work. So now you have to not mm. be at work on your days off. And actually, the realization for me in getting getting the stress levels down was realizing she was doing that uh, and why. Mm. And that was quite early on in our relationship. And actually, it means that now my work life balance is so much better. And I'm able to not read emails, step away from work. And when I'm at home, I'm at home because it's important to be most of the time, isn't it? I think it's important for other people. It's important for Dan's, uh, yeah, Dan's yeah, kids. It's important yeah, for your yeah, child yeah. and your and your wife and, and your partners. Then, and yeah, it kind of mitigates against the other problems of, of sort of the extra stress outside of work bleeding in. You know, the, yeah, the the relationship problems, the this, the that. Because yeah, if your life is more balanced as a whole, it's a very Buddhist uh, philosophy, isn't it? Just balancing. But if your life is balanced, stress generally is less, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But mean, we're not. But, but but by very nature of kind of what we all do. We're our own worst enemies because we all do extra stuff. I mean, yeah, we're we all do. sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. both you of know, us yeah. after, after a night shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when we're doing this of our own accord because this is something that you know I'm passionately engaged in and I want to, I want to share. I want to talk to you guys about it. But I'm also aware I've come off a twelve hour night shift. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go home, have a shower. 
I've got to drive and go and get my children and, and go into a weekend of being dad. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we're our own worst enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we are. Yeah. We really by push, are. By pushing ourselves, yeah. absolutely. And, and unfortunately, by surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals, which is what inevitably happens, you just you just join another clan of, of people who all push each other to yeah, do yeah. stuff. Yeah. Actually, sometimes what you do need is someone to put the brakes on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm saying no, it's, that's enough now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and the danger is not finding those people. Yes. Yeah. But be, uh, and, and then burnout ensues, yeah. compassion fatigue yeah. and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So guys, I'm mindful um, time has, has got on. I just want to touch on one really last concept because I feel like this has been really helpful and there's been some real fundamental tools just to dealing with uh, our own stresses, very staff focused and focused on ourselves. So I'd just like to, for a second to, to step out because I think self-care is essential, but I've definitely seen a trend towards in the past couple of years, looking at mental health in the population. Yeah. And it's always been there. I don't think it's a new thing. But what I do see with the with the uh, advancement of smartphones, with 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 cell phones, really, um, is this is, is isolation amongst young people, uh, and with the isolate with with the engagement with the with the smartphone and with digital technology, mm. comes this isolation and social media platforms, which advertise people all these biases and yeah. and, mm. and 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 falsisms mm-hmm. which appear true um what uh, what's your perspective on young people's coping mechanisms coping mechanisms or lack of coping mm. mechanisms and ensuing mental health problems that you've seen in the population mm. uh, I, mean, your own accord? I mean human beings are by right social creatures mm-hmm. we are meant to interact with each other and you, you know, you go back in time, and even go back to looking at primates. You know, you 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 deal with a, a a group bond by actually physically being with each other. We've more recently, and I think we're lucky in that that we kind of we've not grown up in the generation of social media, and yeah. so actually, although we all use it, we probably don't use it in the same way that my children are starting no. to use it, for example. Yeah. Um, and you know, I certainly see, you know, my 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 own children will will say that they've been with their mates all weekend, but actually they've been sitting on a PlayStation with a headset on, talking to their friends. So they're all socialising with each other, but yeah. they're in their own they're individual remote. bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so suddenly this concept of socialising is Changed. you know, to, to me, the yeah. idea of sitting in my flat on my own, just talking to someone on the phone all weekend, I'd go mental. Yeah. I'd go absolutely yeah. crazy. So actually, I physically need to see people. Yeah. You know, I'm fine in my own company, but I also, I physically need that ability yeah. to sit in a room with people. I think it's not just, I think everyone needs that yeah. though, Dan. Yeah. I think everyone needs that. And do you think that's a fundamental thing that people are, don't realise? Yeah, and I think, but, that, but that's what it is. And I think there's a, that, as you've touched on, is, is there's a, gen, you know, for, want, for fear of wanting to sound like, you know, my dad suddenly, but yeah, yeah. There, we know, we, we are watching a generation suddenly appear that are almost losing that, but that, that losing the kind of the joy that comes from sitting in a room with each other. You know, suddenly now, chatting to all your mates on, on Instagram and, and, and all your various kind of social media platforms is the way to, and, and, and to them is enough. You know, and getting um, recognition and, and everything else that sort of comes with, you know, likes and, and everything else that comes with it, it's actually, it's a very sort of false environment, and and what you're saying is it, it's now breeding this 
kind of um, introspection that kind of you know people just are suddenly finding that actually they whilst they think they're socialising and whilst they think they're actually out there that they're sitting on their own yeah um, and, and 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 you know how many times have you had a text message that's been misconstrued or an email that's been misconstrued yeah, yeah, because t- no matter how you write it you can't convey you know you can't convey emotion you can't convey it and it, you know you know and various different nuances that will come across from someone's body language or facial expression or intonation are not going to come across in words or, you know, however many. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, yeah. there's a bigger side to it as well. When, so I guess we all have, uh, for want of, of sounding too dramatic, sort of darker moments. Or just moments yeah. where you, just, you don't feel as happy as you, you did before. Or yeah, that day you're tired, whatever. Mm. And I think the, the, the benefits of being around a group of people, like you said before, is that people will spot that, they'll notice mm. it. Or actually just general interaction lifts your mood. Mm. Whereas when you, you interact more on a, a social media level, mm. on a technology level, there's a risk of you sort of finding your way down that hole much, much mm. more because there isn't anyone to, to help you not go that mm. way. And then you run the risk of actually sort of, and I think people do, they then start to sort of find areas within social media that aren't healthy, mm. that aren't good for you, and there's no one else there to mm. check. There's none of your friends there to check. No, there's no balance to it at all. Um, And I think that's the big risk. There's a big difference. You know, you look at the difference between you know sending a message to someone saying, "Are you okay?" Mm. versus you know what's the what's what's the number one thing that we all do on our on our handover to each other? The first question we ask each other at the end of the shift, Mm. handing over to the person taking over from you, is, "Are you okay?" Yeah. And sometimes we kind of just, "Yeah, I'm fine." But other times it's like, "Are you okay?" You know what? Actually, Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and suddenly, a, a and suddenly, the you know the handover turns into a half hour kind of sort of you know about yeah, what's yeah. going on. But you won't get that in a text message. Yeah. You won't get that in a no. you know. Um, and I think that's that's the bit that we're in danger of losing if we're not yeah, well. Yeah. Probably less so with our with us, but I think what we need to instill into you know into to kind of younger colleagues and certainly you know that I will be doing with my children. Is, is is trying to get away from that yeah. kind of that need for face to face communication yeah, and the power of community yeah, 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 yeah. the power of community because you're right there's something that happens I think in community which means even if I, I think one of you said this earlier it's not necessarily about providing answers but it's just about being present yeah. Yeah. it's being present and listening Yeah. and actually listening is a far more powerful yeah, yeah. tool than maybe sometimes doing anything else really yeah. um, but you can't get that from the other end of the phone no. And I just think sometimes it's about coping mechanisms. So other times it's just about being present. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder how many times have we been to male or female suicides, young person suicides that could have been present, prevented by people being present mm. or, or, or having a presence of someone just to listen to them or indeed sometimes it, I guess it's them not letting other people in yeah, or I mean, thinking it, it, this isn't yeah. their smartphone is enough it's really interesting, well, it's really interesting. I, was, I was listening to just, just yesterday I was, I was listening to a, a podcast that had um, there's a Radio X DJ Eddie Temple Morris mm-hmm. who does a lot of work with the charity Calm which is all about sort of male suicide and, um, and he was saying no, you know, no one commits suicide whilst they're talking to someone. Yeah, you know, so actually, keep someone talking, and you've always got that ability to do that. And I know we, you know, we're kind of going off brief a little bit here by talking about that, but you know, coming back onto the subject of actually sort of talking to each other, it, you know, if you're just at the end of a phone or the end of an email or the end of a, a laptop or whatever, you can still you can feel incredibly lonely. 
mm-hmm. even though the you know the world is at the end of your keyboard, but you could be the loneliest person in the world. Yeah. However, bring one more person, and actually sometimes that's all it requires. Another yeah, person, person sitting yeah. next to you, suddenly that loneliness yeah, yeah. is not there. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's a, I think a really important thing. You know, and I think that's so tying back into kind of our job, particularly in our experience. The, the times that I've found probably the darkest, you know, for what, what not to kind of like over-dramatise things, but darkest, for want of a better word, as, particularly as an, an advanced paramedic, is on your own on the car where you don't have a colleague taking over from you for the, for the mm. second 12 hours, is those are, those are some long periods of time. And I live on my own, yeah. so I go home. Yeah. You know, and actually, you then go home and you think, actually, I should be talking to someone. But you then get into, the, if you're not careful, it spirals into that mood where you don't want to talk yeah, to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unless someone almost turns up at your flat and knocks on the door, yeah, 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 absolutely. You're in, also, you're in danger of yeah. kind of going down yeah. the, the wormhole, yeah. and then you're in another twelve-hour shift on your yeah. own. Yeah, yeah. And, and also at six o'clock in the morning, or, or seven in the morning, when you're on your way home, or, or late mm-hmm. at night, or whatever. You know, it's not necessarily the time when you can ring a friend, is it? Because you know they're yeah. in bed, they're at work, they're doing yeah. whatever. You know, so it's the yeah. the, the shift work and, and the lifestyle we have mm. precludes you sometimes from from yeah. seeking that out, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think Dan, you're right with when sort of talking about our profession and understanding that we have a. Obviously, as time goes on, the workforce is younger now. Yeah, it's always it's always been young. People always start young, but the, the workforce is a different. The, mm. the, the, the paramedics that we employ now, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sadly, paramedics we employ now have have grown up in a different culture and a different yeah. technological yeah. environment to what we have. I think we have to understand that that plays its role within why maybe why mm. we're seeing a rise more. Yeah, with, I, with I think the the, the 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 positive is though that we are. Whilst we're talking about this kind of culture of kind of social media and and you know sort of remote um, communication, is we are also moving into a culture of we we're fingers crossed starting to be more open about talking about yeah. mental yeah. mental yeah. health and you know people are more open to kind of discuss it yeah. and it's not the taboo that it probably yes. once was. Yeah. And I, I was actually going to say that I think so. It seems much more acceptable. I've had talks on station with staff much more frequently over the years about exactly about that about mental health than I ever did in my first sort of five or six years oh god yeah you imagine you, the, know. I mean, this, you know I think I mean station culture has changed and, and I would imagine that's the same across any ambulance yeah, service yeah. probably across the world to be yeah. honest with you but I would imagine a mess room 15 years ago is very different to a mess room now, now. yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. For better and worse, like you said, I think the open, honest culture is, is still there. Um, we're we're busier now than we ever have been. Yeah. It's it, there's um, and the, the disadvantage to that is you haven't maybe got the colleagues to certainly certainly as a, an advanced paramedic, you're on station and there's no one else to talk to. Yeah. Whereas before, fifteen years ago, you had four or five people. ambulance yeah, yeah. crews yeah. just to you know yeah. have a laugh with. And also, and, you know, what you what you had then was you'd walk into a mess room and everyone would be sitting with a cup of tea around a table. You walk into a mess room now, and everyone's sitting with a phone. Yeah, everyone is sitting, not, not talking. No one's not, talking to each other, and everyone's on a phone. And you know, so and you're almost going to want to go. You know what, everyone, put your phones down for two minutes. Yeah. yeah. If you walked into a mess room now and said, "Right, everyone, put the phones yeah. down, let's all talk." Yeah. I guarantee, if you got everyone to buy into that, you'd probably have the funniest conversation yeah, going. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and that, and that, but that's everywhere. That's society now. You yeah. know, the first thing people do when they've got to, you know, you go to the tube, you wait for the tube. The first thing you do is you get your phone out yep. and just start scrolling. Yeah. And everyone yeah, does it. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think we've yeah. got a much more transient workforce as well nowadays. But just by how healthcare is working, people don't stay in, in particularly in ambulance services for as mm. long as they used to. 
uh, we don't have the kind of the crew dynamics where you'd have people working together for 20 mm. years and you'd know each other inside out and that support was there. Um, and that adds an extra dimension, I think, to it where it's, it's harder to support each other because you know each other less well. Mm. Or you don't know, I mean, there's plenty of times where I walk into a mess room now on stations that I've worked on for years and I don't really know anyone there yeah, be exactly. because the dynamics change. Yeah. Uh, and that can be a problem because if you're looking for someone to talk to, it may need, you might, might want that to be a familiar face and if you can't find that familiar face, then who do you talk to? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really useful, guys. Um, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground um, throughout the last hour and a bit. I think we're going to break this down into two podcasts uh, <laughs> because it's certainly a, a big topic. But, um, but yeah, it was really useful. And I think um, just to summarise some of the key points we, we visited, really, it's it's really about self-care before you're caring for patients. Because mm. I think if you can't care for yourself, it's hard to care for others. Um, I think also we talked about the power of vulnerability and it's actually the power of agreement and allowing other people to agree with you. But you've maybe, especially as a senior clinician, got to open up to others and say it's okay to not mm -hmm. be okay yeah. and get other people to buy into that. Um, just a couple of other other points just to just to finish off on. Be, be kind to yourself. Be kind, be yeah. kind to yourself. Yeah. It's it's okay to not be okay, like you say. It's okay to have emotions. What we deal we deal with emotional situations. It's right to have emotional responses. Mm. That that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, anything else from you? No, I think you know, like you say, I think we've talked a lot about kind of recognition. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's we can we can go a long way the other way and talk about kind of just. Constantly opening up, I know you don't want to be that person that yeah, yeah. just sits in the mess oh, room. Oh, I'm going to share some more today. <laughs> but actually, you know, recognition of of a what we do. You know, I think we've you know how many times have we sat in rooms going, what we do is not normal, is mm. it? No, Recognize that, you know, and actually then, like you say, that's then where you can then go to be looking after yourself, be kind to yourself. You know, recognizing that it's okay not to be okay, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, guys. Listen, thanks for tuning in. Um, please feel free to rate and review this on the uh, on the uh, podcast um, uh, download, so on the uh, rate and review section. And we'll see you next time on the Pre-Spot Care podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you. This podcast was presented by Owen Walker and Rich McGurr and any views we express are our own. And this is a Medics Academy podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide paramedics, nurses and doctors easy to access a set of resources and education materials wherever you are. So take a look in the footnotes of this podcast and sign up to Medics Academy today to find out even more about what we do, how much content we put out there for your education.